Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We want to talk about forward. You know, we've just came out of a pause. A lot of us have learned some good things, had some great time together with family. But where do we go from here? That's the question. Paul addresses that in the book of Philippians, and he makes it really, really clear how we should deal with the speed bumps of life. Anybody ever hit a speed bump? Have you ever hit one? You know, those aren't intended to slow you down forever, just temporarily slow you down for your safety or the safety of someone around you. But if you hit one too fast, it kind of gets your attention, doesn't it? Or a pothole. Have you ever hit a pothole you didn't know was there? A few, uh, a few months ago, we went out to uh, somewhere way out in the woods to a public shooting range with Daniel and Jessica. He was driving that Ford pickup that's lifted about this high, you know. Has no shocks on it at all. I think when he lifted, he took the springs and the shocks off of it so you feel every single bump he hits. And the road we were on was a dirt road, and it wasn't really a road. It was a series of potholes. Some of them were a foot deep. Some of them were 10 foot deep. They were unbelievable. And Yvonne was sitting in the back seat. He hit one of them doing about 20 mile an hour. She literally flew up and hit her head on the top of the cab of that pickup. I was laughing my head off. It was pretty funny. But I'm thinking, I'm never doing this again with Daniel. I don't want to ride in this thing on these kind of rough roads. It was not pleasant. That's the way it is in life. We encounter potholes and speed bumps that aren't pleasant, but we get through them, don't we? So this morning, I want you to know the coronavirus is just a speed bump, just a little pothole, and we've got through it. We will continue to move through it and see God do good and wonderful things. We don't have to see it as a permanent pause, but rather we can see it as God being able to speak into our lives in a new and a fresh way, and we can move forward, forward. Kind of reminds me of the guy that was at the gym, sitting in the locker room. Several guys were in the locker room, and a cell phone rings. He reaches over and picks it up, and he said, hello. Under in the line, a female voice says, hello, honey, are you at the gym? He said, yes, I am. She said, well, I'm down at the mall, and I just saw a beautiful mink coat I'd really like to buy. And he said, really, how much is it? She said, well, it's only $1,800. He said, well, honey, if you really like it, go ahead and get it. She said, oh, thank you. I love you so much. And then she said, you know, on the way here, I stopped by the BMW dealership, and I saw a brand new 2020 I just fell in love with. He said, well, how much is it? She said, it's only 125000 Well, for that kind of money, it probably better have every option on it. Go ahead if you really like it. Oh, thank you, honey. I love you so much. And then she said, on the way here, we pass, I passed that house that we tried to buy a few years ago. It's back on the market. He said, well, how much is it? It's only 950000 he said, well, why don't you offer them 900 We can always go up to 950 if we have to. She said, oh, thank you, honey. I appreciate that so much. I love you. I'll talk to you later at home. Okay, bye. And he said, okay, bye. They hung up the phone. Then he turned around and said, does anybody know whose cell phone this is? We may need some new directions. We may need to do some evaluation and see exactly who we are and where we're at. So turn with me to Philippians 3, beginning in verse 7. Let's read the scripture, reading down through verse 14. The Bible says these words, But what things were gained to me, these have I counted loss for Christ. 
Yes, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Father, add your anointing to the ministry of your word today. Speak to lives in this room and speak to lives around the world through our live stream today. Not only those watching right now, but those who will watch later this week or next month or next year. Your word is alive and powerful and let it be that two-edged sword to us today. In Jesus' name I ask it, amen. When we begin looking at where we go from here, there are several things we need to do. I wanna share four of them with you this morning. First, we need to rethink our direction. Evaluate where we've been and where we really are headed. We need to take a careful look at the direction we are going in our lives. Sometimes when we're hitting so many bumps in our lives, it's God getting our attention and saying, hey, it's time to rethink your direction. Consider what I'm saying to you. Listen to me a little closer. And in those times, we have to ask ourselves, who am I really taking direction from? Am I listening to the Father or am I listening to the noise that comes from the world? Am I listening to what God wants me to do or am I listening to what I want to do? Who am I taking direction from in those times? So we have to reevaluate that aspect of our lives and reevaluate who's speaking into our lives. You know, about six and a half years ago, we moved here from Denver, Colorado, and uh, we actually rented a U-Haul and a couple of trailers and loaded them up, and then we drove from Denver to here. I'll never forget the morning that we came in. There had been a bad ice storm uh, throughout uh, the southeast the day before. We had to stop outside of Birmingham because of the ice on the roads. Then we got up early the next morning and we drove the rest of the way into Tallahassee. Now, because we really weren't familiar with Tallahassee, we obviously were using a GPS. And I was leading in the U-Haul truck. My GPS was there. It was talking to me. And we came across the Florida-Georgia line. We knew we were getting close. Coming down the highway, and then I saw on my GPS the next turn was Orchard Pond Road. Now, those of you who are around Tallahassee know what that meant six years ago. I had no idea. You don't know online either. But when we got to that turn, I turned off and I thought, something can't be right because it's a dirt road. And it's not a wide dirt road, it's a narrow dirt road. There's trees hanging over it. It had just rained the day before, there was ice, so there's mud holes everywhere. And I'm thinking, well, Lord, I don't know how to get there except follow this GPS, so I guess we'll follow it. And we took that U-Haul truck with the trailer, and Yvonne was driving my pickup with a trailer, and we went down that pothole-filled, mud-hole-filled dirt road. And I'm thinking the whole time, I don't know who programmed this GPS, but if I could get a hold of them, I'd wring their neck just about right now. Directions. 
Sometimes we need to reevaluate where we're going. Sometimes even the voices we are supposed to trust, the voices out here, the voice of our own conscience, can lead us in the wrong direction. The only true voice is the voice of God when he speaks into our lives. Paul said it this way. You know, a lot of times we get discouraged when things get hard. You and I often give up way too easily. We bail out too soon, and we don't see the mercies of God coming to full effect in our hearts and in our lives. When things get difficult, we are tempted to quit. But Paul said that's not the attitude we should have. In tough times, when we're hitting speed bumps and potholes, we need to double down, and we need to take a firm grip on that which Jesus has laid a hold of us for. You can read a story in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 30. Paul says it this way, five times the Jews beat me with rods, 40 stripes minus one. He said, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the deep. I was in journeys often, in perils often, in water often, in danger of robbers often, in danger of my own countrymen often, in danger of the Gentiles often, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, in hunger and thirst, in fastings and cold and nakedness. Now that's quite a story. And you and I get bent when the air conditioning isn't the right temperature. You and I get bent when the sound isn't exactly right. You and I get out of shape when someone we think snubs us and we turn and go the other way. I'll never go back to that place again. Did you hear what the apostle said? He said, five times I was beaten 39 stripes. I was beaten with rods. I was shipwrecked three times. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, in spite of all that, I didn't give up. I knew my compass was true. I was following the Father. My directions were right, and he would see me through. Someone needs to hear that today because you're right there on the verge. You're ready to cash it in and throw in the towel. God is saying to you this morning, you just need to recheck your directions. You need to rethink where you're getting directions from and let me do a new thing in your heart and in your life. Paul went on to tell us in that in the passage of Scripture that we read this morning that secondly, we should also consider or count the cost of following Jesus Christ. There is a cost to following Jesus Christ. This easy gospel, this easy grace gospel that says come to him and then do whatever you want, live however you choose, is a false doctrine and a false gospel. There is a cost involved in following Jesus. Sometimes it will mean losing those that you've been friends with or associated with for years because they don't like the direction you have taken and the life that you're now living. Sometimes it means other types of costs. Sometimes it's persecution. We need to understand there is a cost in following Jesus Christ. But when we want to follow him, there's three things that become very important from this scripture. Look at verses 10 and 11 of Philippians 3 one more time. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may obtain to his resurrection from the dead. What did he say? Look at in that scripture. Three things he gave us. Number one, I want to know him. I want to know him. If you're going to follow Christ, you better be pursuing him, not a religion, not a church, not a dogma, not a doctrine, but Jesus Christ is who we pursue. And when we pursue him, we understand there can be a cost involved in doing that. 
Now, to be honest with you, around the world today, there are many who know about Jesus. But my question is, do you know Jesus? Have you experienced Jesus? Is he alive in your heart today? Does he speak to you daily through his spirit and through his word? Do you know Jesus? Do you realize even atheists will admit that he was a historical figure? They can't deny the fact that he lived and that he ministered on this planet. They won't deny that at all. But the question for believers is not do you know that he existed, but do you know that he is? That he is here, that he is present, that he never leaves you and never forsakes you. He is your savior, your deliverer. He is your strong tower. He is the rock upon which you stand. Do you know Jesus? Paul said that I may know him, that I may know him. You see, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these other things, the things we always worry about. Where am I going to live? What clothes am I going to wear? Where am I going to get my money? What am I going to drive? All these other things will be added or given to you when you seek first the kingdom of God. The scripture tells us when we know him, we are to be living stones that his life lives through us to those around us. It tells us we're to be the church of Jesus Christ. It tells us we are the body of Christ. We are built upon the solid rock. Do you know Jesus? Paul said that I may know him. Secondly, he said in that verse that I may know his power, the power of the resurrection. Romans 1.4 says it this way, he, that he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. I love that worship course that we sing, Tom. It says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in us. The same power. See, if you know him, you're going to live in his power. If you know him, you're going to experience his power. If you know him, his person fills your life. And because he is there, you're living in the power of a living God. It's that power that gives us victory. It's that power that enables us to survive the potholes and the bumps of life. It's that power that enables us to say, it doesn't matter what the forecasters say about this virus, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. It's that power that gives us victory over every situation. And it's that power that brings freedom into our lives, that sets us free. Whoever the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. It's that power that gives us liberty and freedom in Jesus Christ. It's that power that brings us peace. So in the midst of troubling, disturbing situations, we can be filled with the peace of God. The world may be going to hell in a handbasket, but I stand in the peace of God. I'm convinced that God has never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's by my side. He's in front of me. He's behind me. And he's covering my flanks. God is with me. He gives us that kind of peace. And it's that same power that when opposition comes into our life, when the enemy rears his ugly, lying, deceitful, stinking head, we can stand in that power. And we can say, greater is he. We can say, get thee behind me, Satan. We can say, your position is not in my face, but it's under my feet because of the power of Jesus Christ living in our lives. We need to understand the power of God flows through us. And then number three, in these verses, we see that we must be willing to share in his sufferings. Share in his sufferings. Paul said that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. 
Now, this is where many of us draw the line. I'm not going to do that. Suffering was for a different day, a different time, a different church, a different generation. My friend Paul said, if I'm going to know him, if I'm going to know his power, I've got to identify and share with him in his sufferings. In other words, I've got to understand that the world isn't going to love me. It's probably going to hate me. I've got to understand there's an enemy who's ready to confront me each and every single day. I've got to understand that it's only through becoming like him in death, by being crucified with Christ every day. We just talked about that. By being crucified with Christ every day that we truly live. When we die to ourselves and identify with him and his sufferings, then we become alive in Jesus Christ and he lives and dwells in and through us. Nothing else except that willingness to share in his sufferings brings his presence and his power to clear sharp focus into our lives. A lot of people don't want to do that because it might hurt a little bit. I got news for you. If you're not willing to fight, if you're not willing to suffer some wounds, if you're not willing to take the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith and get into the battle, then get off the battlefield. Get off the battlefield. This is no place for timid people. This is no place for cowards. Christianity requires men and women to be strong and courageous and not to back down from the forces of darkness. It's time to understand what God is calling us to do. Oh, I want to know him. So do I. Well, that comes through the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to live in his power. So do I. But that comes through the fellowship of his sufferings. Being willing to die daily to self and what I want so that he can be raised and resurrected in great power in my life. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 tells us that when we identify with the sufferings, we also receive all of his promises. Everything he has provided. So surely has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Oh, come on, folks. It doesn't matter what you need. If you will move into that arena where you understand, I know Jesus, I'll identify with him in his sufferings, that releases the promise and the power of God to flow in your life. So if you need something from him today that he's promised to provide, would you just say, that's me, Lord, right here, right now. I need what you've got for me and let him minister into your heart and into your life today you can also read it in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 Paul said it a little differently than he did to the Philippians he said and do not be conformed to this world but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind why so you can prove what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God oh I want to know him but I don't want to identify with his sufferings. You'll never know him until you go all in and say, Lord, I'm willing to die daily to self so that you can be resurrected daily in my life so that your power and your promise and your provision can flow through me on a regular basis. We have to remember that very, very clearly. We have to count the cost. So we have to examine our direction. We have to count the costs of following Christ. Number three, we have to forget our past failures. Forget what is behind, Paul tells us in verse 12 of our text. That's a key to moving forward. 
We've got to forget what's behind us and press on. Look forward to what God has in store for us. We have to look forward to what God is going to be doing in our life. Listen, anytime we hold on to something that is behind us, we're limiting what God can do in our lives. Anytime we refuse to give up what's behind us, we're putting God in a stranglehold in our lives. And really, that doesn't even mean all bad experiences. It can also mean good experiences. When we refuse to turn loose of them, how many have ever said or thought, how many have ever said or thought, if only we could go back to the way it was? It was so good back then. Do you understand when we're looking back, we are tied, we are bound, we can't move forward. That past experience, whether it's good or whether it's bad, becomes an anchor that holds us into place. And all we're doing is running circles in our life, around and around and around and around. Sometimes the rope gets longer that tethers us to the anchor, sometimes it's shorter. But the fact is, we're always anchored to that memory or to that experience, whether it's positive or whether it's negative. We limit what God can do in our lives. So many people always remember that hurt, always remember that offense, and they never get past it. And in doing so, they anchor themselves to that point in their lives, and they never experience every good thing that God has for them. Reminds me of the story that after the Civil War, Robert E. Lee was visiting a woman in Kentucky. She took him out into her yard and she said, General Lee, look at that tree and there was really nothing left. The Union Army had bombed it and almost destroyed it. It was as though it almost never existed. And isn't that so horrible, she said. And she was expecting him to at least sympathize with her or to, to in some way uh, make a negative comment about the Union Army. But instead he looked her square in the eye and he said, ma'am, you need to cut it down and forget it. You need to cut it down and forget it. I'm telling you today, you need to cut it down and forget it. Because when you do, it'll set you free. You'll see God being doing, doing new things in your heart and in your life. That boy runs, doesn't he? Come on, run, Nathan, run. All right, I love it. When you're cut free from the past, it allows God to do new things in your life. Take you places you've never been. You'll experience things you never dreamt possible when you allow God to set you free, when you choose to lay down the past and move forward. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate that. Are you still out of breath? All right. All right, just a little bit, he says. I'd be dying by now if I'd just done that. Thank you, Nathan. We appreciate it. Here's the point. It's better to forgive the injustices of the past than to allow them to remain. Because if we allow them to remain, bitterness takes root in our lives and poisons the remainder of our life. Listen, until you cut it loose, until you forgive it, until you let it go, you will always be anchored to that point in your life. Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was 40 years ago. Maybe it was last week. It really doesn't matter. But until you cut it loose, you'll be anchored to that place. You'll be anchored to that memory. You'll be anchored to that offense. You'll be anchored to that experience. And you will never see God do what he wants to do in your life. It's time to forget the past, to cut it loose, and move forward. Because when we do that, it frees the Holy Spirit to move into our lives in ways that we never dreamt possible. 
You see, so many of us, especially Pentecostals, Charismatics, think we've got this thing figured out. This is what God is going to do. This is how his spirit is going to work in our lives. I'm telling you, if you'll cut that anchor, you'll see God do things you never even dreamed were possible. He does not only impossible things, he does unimaginable things in our lives when we choose to cut loose from the past and move forward to where he wants us to be. By looking to the past, we hinder what God has for us. Someone needs to hear that this morning. By looking to the past, we hinder what God has for us. We prohibit the blessings of God from flowing freely and fully through our lives when all we do is look behind us. When all we do is remember where we have been. When all we do is recall how good it was in 1967. When all we do is remember and reminisce about the old days, the good days. Listen, I lived through the old days. They really weren't that good. Come on, somebody say amen. I grew up in western Oklahoma, so far out in the sixth, they had to pipe in the daylight. It really wasn't that good. Didn't have running water in our house until I was in the fourth grade. It really wasn't that good. I don't want to go back there. I want to press forward. I want to forget the things that are behind me and move forward into what God has for us. Come on, church, it's time to cut it loose and move on in Jesus Christ. Tom, will you come back? And number four and last, when we are seeking to find and pursue God, when we're looking for directions, when we're coming out of that pothole or that, that uh, speed bump or that pause, we've got to be willing to put it in gear and go. You can't just sit there saying, God, thank you for bringing us through. Although we should thank him for bringing us through. We can't just sit there and think, wow, what do I do next? You got to put it in gear and go. Uh, in March, our oldest grandson, Connor, was here with us. He went to Peru with us. After we came back, his dad had given me an assignment. He said, you teach that boy to drive a stick shift. Well, my pickup has a stick shift. So it was a pleasure to teach him to do that. After church that Sunday morning when we came back from Peru, we were out in the parking lot. Everybody else had left. And I, I kind of went through it one time, showed him how to drive a stick shift, and then I put him in the driver's seat. And he pushed the clutch down, he started the vehicle, he put it in first gear, and then he just sat there. I could tell he was a little bit intimidated, a little bit nervous, a little unsure of himself. I didn't say anything, I just let him sit there. I thought, well, when he's ready, he'll release the clutch and we'll go. He sat there, and he sat there, and he sat there. I finally said, Connor, put it in gear and let's go. You know what happened, right? He popped the clutch, it jumped and jumped, and then it died. And then he was frustrated. Listen, until you release the clutch and put it in gear, you're not going anywhere. Your start may be a little rough, but by the time he left that week, he was driving like a pro. He was driving through our neighborhood. He was shifting to first, second, and third. He was doing it well. He could start up on a hill. Why? Because he put it in gear and he moved forward. Somebody in this room and somebody watching online needs to put it in gear and move forward. Understand it's not the time to sit where you are. It's the time to move forward. Daniel and Jessica, come and help me this morning, please. When we read verse 14 from the Word of God, Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. 
One translation says, I strain, I strain. Now think of it, come on, you guys need to get a little closer to me. I promise I won't bite you, but he needs to get you in the shot. All right, right there, a little closer. All right, now I've asked them to do something specific to demonstrate what it means to strain. Now imagine in your mind, Daniel and Jessica, that right over there is Miss Yvonne, and she has a brand new fully baked carrot cake. And you want a piece of that carrot cake more than anything in the world. So strain and show me how you're going to strain. Lean into getting that carrot cake. Is that the best you can do? I'm a little disappointed. Is that the best you can do? Is that the best you can do? See, when you're straining, you're leaning forward. You're not leaning back. You're leaning forward. You've got it in gear. You're going to go because there's something ahead of you that you desperately want and want to experience. That's the way it is in our walk with Christ. We can't sit back lackadaisical. We can't sit on our haunches and say, well, what will be will be. We've got to strain forward because there's a goal. There is a prize that's worth reaching towards and achieving. Thank you, guys. You can sit down before you fall down. Thank you so much. Carrot cake. Yeah, well, you'll talk to Yvonne about that later, all right? I didn't promise it. I said imagine, all right? It's all in your head. We have to strain forward towards the goal. And that puts us in an uncomfortable position. But it means we're moving forward. We're pressing in. We're going to experience what God has for us. Paul said, I'm committed to whatever God has for me. I'm going to strain forward. I'm going to press in. I'm going to reach for everything God has destined for me to have in my life and go everywhere God wants me to go in my life. We press toward the goal. Press on means to pursue, to chase after. Your relationship with God must be active. It can't be passive. You have to be pursuing, chasing after the Father every day of your life. Most of you are familiar with the book, The God Chasers. It's a great book. If you've never read it, you should pick it up and read it. I think they even did a class on it here a couple of years ago in Sunday school. The God Chasers. And in that book, a God Chaser is defined as an individual whose hunger for God exceeds his reach. Now let that settle in just a moment. His hunger for God exceeds his reach. In other words, I am so hungry for God, I can never reach far enough to get all the as for me. So I have to keep straining. I have to keep leaning. I have to keep pressing toward all that God has for me. A God chaser is someone who's stretched. A God chaser is someone who pursues all that God has for him. And verse 14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. On the surface, we look at that verse and we say, well, our goal is to get to heaven. I just got to make it to heaven. That's all that God has for me. Can I tell you, there's a whole lot of life between today and heaven. There's a whole lot of things to do between today and heaven. If your only goal is to get to heaven, you miss the point of the gospel. He gave you eternal life, L-I-F-E, life. He gave you abundant life, L-I-F-E, life, so that you can live, L-I-V-E, live in him today. Oh, don't be one who sits on the sidelines and say, well, bless God, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Come on, get in the fight, get in the battlefield. Start training, straining toward what God has for you. There's a whole lot of life to be lived between today and heaven. Start living it. Start pressing toward the goal. Start reaching for what God has for you. In the book, The God Chasers, he went on to say, a God chaser is a person whose passion for God's presence 
presses him to chase the impossible in hopes that the uncatchable might catch him. Wow, that's good stuff. I want to read it one more time. A God chaser is a person whose passion for God's presence presses him to chase the impossible in hopes that the uncatchable might catch him. My kids were little and even now with the grandkids, I love to play a game with them. I'd take off running and they would chase me. We'd run all over the yard and they would chase me. They would chase me and chase me and chase me. But at some point I would stop and let them catch me. And when they caught me, I'd swoop them up, pull them up to my chest, hug them real tight, and tell them how much I loved them and cared for them. You see, then the pursuer becomes the pursued. In that point of time, the one who is chasing, the pursuer becomes the pursued. The captor becomes the one that's holding them and taking care of them. That's what Paul meant in Romans chapter 12, or Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, when he said, not that I've already obtained all this, have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. In other words, the more I chase him, the more he holds me. The more I pursue him, the more I find him. The more I run after him, the more of him I discover in my life. Just as the little kids would run around chasing me, I'd stop and swoop them up. That's what Jesus Christ does for you and I when we choose to pursue him. When we press towards the goal for the prize of God which is in heaven with Jesus Christ. Some of us have gone through difficult times. Some of us are in difficult times. And it's time to make a decision. Am I going to allow the past to dictate my future? Or am I to cut the cord and move forward in Jesus Christ? Am I going to be lackadaisical, unconcerned? Am I going to be a casual believer? Or am I going to get on fire for God and pursue Him so that I can catch the uncatchable? so that I can attain the untainable in this human form. So I can see the power of God moving in and through my lives. It's time to cut that cord that anchors you and allow the Spirit of God to breathe the breath of life into you and move you into a brand new place in Him. And it's not a one-time thing. It's every single day. God has that in store for you and I. So we this morning need to rethink our direction, evaluate where we're going, count the cost, forget the past, and then we need to put it in gear and go. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.